now recording this as well. So this will go live on YouTube at a later date. So just want to say hi to everybody. Uh, my name's Ash and you are in tune to the first live episode of Shifty Perspective. And we have our first live guest here, Carl H. Smith, uh, who is a very, very, very interesting fellow that I had the honor to meet a few months back before this whole lockdown. How are you doing, Carl? You good? Yeah, I'm doing fine, thanks. I mean, yeah, a new world order is in place, but um, apart from that, I'm trying to look at the positives of the, of the current situation. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, I don't think anybody, I mean, some people warned about it, but I don't think anybody really expected uh, or planned for this kind of thing properly, uh, taking everyone by surprise. Yeah, so, indeed. indeed. Uh, I guess we should start off by um, introducing um, yourself. So, uh, Carl, do you want to tell everybody who you are and what you do, really, I guess? Yeah, sure, man. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm an academic. I run a research center looking specifically at technology-enhanced learning. So what can technology do for different subjects? Um, I'm also very interested in consciousness and perception. You know, what is it that, that we, can, we can advance and amplify with these technologies? And I'm not just talking about digital technologies. I'm very interested in body tech and meditation and breathing and I see all of those as technologies language as a technology um, so I'm very interested in looking at ancient uh, pedagogies you know what is it that we can learn from the past what is it we can learn from our very recent past when we've lost our analog abilities uh, we're losing our analog abilities because of the digital hacks and the digital sort of uh, you know this this attention um, deficit disorder that's that's common these days because nobody's uh, reading anything in depth nobody's looking at anything in depth it's all just you know the next thing in the feed so we're sort of being hacked by this yeah. feed and uh and i think that you know we really need to find ways to sort of break out of this single focus and and use our peripheral vision again like you know so much um, we know from from being out in nature that we're losing you know especially in the lockdown we're all going a bit mad yeah uh, isolation is uh getting yeah. to people definitely so how do we how do we you know how do we use technology in a mindful way and how yeah. do we and i think the current situation is that you know a lot of people have been very anti-technology and now they're very dependent on it so what are the you know what what does this flip mean for uh, for humanity and this is going to be the new normal so finding ways to to use technology mindfully i mean i'm in back to back meetings day in day out now and it's almost like that's not that's not being mindful so i'm i'm, I'm having all these meetings talking about what work i'm going to do and i don't have time <laughs> to do the work so it's that kind of thing that i'm 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 uh, looking at all the time do you see that is it like the more connected we get the actually more dis disconnected we become that kind of thing well i certainly think that you know when we, when we look at the, the the typical scenario of people staring at their phones 24 7 which is this tiny bit of real estate um, when we're completely you know distracted from the real world and like the love of your life is walking past and you you didn't even notice because <laughs> you're so sucked into this this feed so I think the ability to disconnect from that and put the, the gadgets away when, when, it, when you need to and to have a healthy balance between you know, when, you're, when you're plugged into the matrix and when you're not is, uh, is something that we, we all need to, to be mindful of. And I, and I, you know, I, I see, I see a, a backlash uh, in, certain, in certain realms. You know, young people don't go on Facebook um and the scroll rot that but it's not just facebook scroll rot it's also you know if you're if you're online selling in terms of depop or if you're you know if you're just it, the, the scroll rot is everywhere so i think it's a case of like using technology to to bar you from from the space so that you know these sort of these apps that um grow a tree on, on the screen as you're not using your device and, yeah. and actually if you if you don't use your device long enough an, a, a full tree grows on the screen and that means an actual tree is planted so it's all of those kinds of little hacks um, that will encourage us and and we're like babies you know we're, we're very much like children and we need to have these things taken away from us when they're when they're becoming too addictive and you know, it's the corporations that are designing these things around addiction, knowing full well 
um, you know, the psychology of addiction and, and, and preying on us, you know, and, and it's really, you know, it's, it's about knowing that that's what they're at. How do you control that though? What would you uh, suggest for like, do you, do you think censorship or is this something that the corporation should self censor or the government should step in? Because I mean, of course it's good if someone like yourself has an app, I don't know. I to honest, I've not heard of that, but that's a great thing that you can plant a tree mm. by not using your phone. But if, you know, probably most teenagers who are on, uh, are not going to give up Instagram to plant a yeah. couple of trees. So, um, yeah. Yeah, how, well, how would you yeah, suggest? I think, yeah, it's it's all about education. You know, you need to you need to know what's happening to you because if your attention is being hijacked on a regular basis, um, then you're you're not going to be able to have in depth thinking going on. And sure enough, you know, this is this is uh, you know this dependency, and it's it's the it's the transhumanist debate versus what I'm what I'm looking at, which is hyperhumanism. How do we learn from, you know, the analog world that we're fast losing? How do we mix the best affordances of the analog with the best affordances of the digital? You know, what can we, what can we, what can we, what is good about the digital space yeah. that, we, that we can use, but still be mindful that we, that we need those analog skills because without those and, and the generations, you know, beneath us are actually going to have less attention. They're, they're not going to be able to think and have a deep thought um, and, and this, this surface level of, you know, and you're seeing it everywhere with all these conspiracy theories rising up, um, because people just want this sort of quick solution, this quick sort of meme, um, to, to hold on to, and then they're not prepared to do the, the in-depth research. And, uh, it's not just, it's not just cognition. It's also listening, you know, we, the throwaway nature of the MP3s. You know, there's no dynamic range in the MP3, you know, you're not putting on a vinyl as you can see behind me, you're not putting on a record <laughs> yeah. and actually listening and listening to 20 minutes of music on each side. You it's know, a quick it, fix, isn't it? So Yeah, and therefore it devalues yeah. the whole process and there's no savoring. You're not savoring anything. You're just, it's all just takeaway, takeaway knowledge, takeaway, you know, takeaway food and, and, there's, and it's, it, there's nothing, nothing nourishing about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I just don't know how how we can really make a change or how people can actually, uh, if you're not consciously aware of it before, how, mm. yeah, I guess, I, I guess educating people is the right way. Um, um, by doing things like this, talking about it, hopefully, uh, hopefully the educators themselves become aware of it. Cause I, I think, you know, teachers are going to have to teach children. Mm. The amount of time kids spend on, on devices is absolutely insane. Like I, you know, yeah. it's, it's shocking when you see, you know, 18 hours, 16 hours, 16 hours of the day, um, children are on Instagram. I was listening to a, um, uh, I can't remember who it was the other day. There was a podcast on and somebody was uh, breaking down the data of um, Generation Z versus millennials and uh, all the different generations and how much actual internet time is spent. And I think it's about 12 hours a day on social media mm. under the age of 25 year old spend, which is just I mean, it's got to be doing something negative, I'm guessing, dampening their, their awareness and their cognition. Yeah, I think, I think it's absolutely true. And I, I'm, I'm very much interested in, in, you know, mixed reality technologies, because if you look at Pokemon Go, I mean, it was an absurd use case going around chasing monsters. But 147 <laughs> million people downloaded it. Yeah. And, and actually, everyone was outside. You know, not in inside. They weren't looking at screens. They were obviously outside in the world. They're they're still looking at screens, but they're in the world. And if you can actually utilize that kind of technology to get people and go and recycle or get people to go mm -hmm. and vote or get people to learn how to, you know, what, what products in the shops are, are are ethically sourced, what products in the shops are actually, you know, destroying the Amazon. So you know, using that ethical consumer, you know, the ethical barcode. So every barcode is something that you can actually find out if this product is, is bad and you, you turn it into a behavior. So you go into, you know, this is one of the projects I'm working on, which is with this company called Geeky, Geeky app, um, which basically, yeah, does that exact thing. So you're clicking on a barcode. Um, and, and if you're a kid in the front of your trolley with your parents, um, you know, and your parents are too busy to even notice or what's going on, or they're just usually buying whatever they buy. But if the kids are in there scanning 
each of the objects and actually saying, no, mum, you can't buy that because it's, it's impl implicated in oh. this destruction. And actually you could, you could take it a step further. My friend um, Danny Namu came up with this idea that you could actually hear, you know, the, the, the app could actually start a chainsaw um, going so that then other people come up to you and go, what's, what's the chainsaw? And actually it's that product and the chainsaw is the indication that it's destroying the Amazon. So you, you get the, you get the younger generations to, to sort of like out their parents and say, actually 70% of the products that you bought today um, are destroying the planet and find alternatives. You know, so it's, it's those sort of solutions where I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm very well aware that we're not going to go down the Luddite route and get rid of technology. Yeah. Uh, that's just not going to happen. And as you cite, there's so many people on to, you know, immersed in these technologies. So let's use them for tech. It's the tech for good. Mm -hmm. like, just to go back a bit um you mentioned um you said about transhumanism and um hyperhumanism, hyperhumanism. just mm. for anyone who's listening who isn't aware of uh the, these uh, terms could you just break down um yeah. what is transhumanism what is hyperhumanism yeah sure sure so actually i did a back-to-back -back keynote with ray kurzweil who's a big nice. transhumanist you know yeah i i know yeah, so so I, I kind of like look to see, you know, what is what is this all about really? And transhumanism is a, all about a dependency on technology, you know, where we're merging with technologies. If you think about Elon Musk's uh, Neuralink, where yes. he's, you know, he's he's talking about direct brain interface to to the, to the internet, and for me that's pretty scary because. One of the things about virtual reality, mixed reality, is you've always got the choice of taking it off. If you're having something placed over your brain and it's already being tested on monkeys, um, you know, you, you, you're not going to have a choice. And uh, I think that's, that's the utter dependency that transhumanists represent. Yep. I mean, a lot of the time they're looking at, you know, interesting application areas. But uh, for me, I think that technology should always be a catalyst for um, enhancing your own innate abilities. And that's why yeah. I talk about the analog all the time. So I'll give you a nice example. So I work with these, these guys called Cyborg Nest and they came, came out with a North Sense chip, which is just basically a chip you wear on your chest and it, um, it vibrates every time, you, every time you face North, right? So it's, simple, it's a very simple bit of technology and it gives you that north sense. So you know where north is. And if you know where north is, then you know the rest of your directions. And that's interesting because we're all completely sucked into GPS. And we don't know where we are without GPS. We've got no sense of direction. We're it's crazy. Yeah, utterly dependent. <laughs> Same with spell checkers. These things are, they're, they're destroying our, our cognition. They're destroying our ability to be in the world. And they're destroying our, you could argue, our humanity. So... Mm -hmm. Hyperhumanism, on, on the other hand, is looking specifically at, yeah, like the stabilizers on your bike. You know, you, you use them for three months when you're a kid and then you have the skill of cycling around after you've removed them. Right. So it's that yeah. it's like that. So the, with the North Sense example, I always cite the feel space belt, which was gives you the same new skill. So it's a belt that you wear six to eight weeks. It's got vibration motors in it. It vibrates. You know where North is from wearing that belt. And the idea is that you take off the belt and you have that new sense without the technology. So it's, it's seeing technology as something that you use for a short period of time. I've got a friend um, who, who doesn't go to the internet when he wants to answer questions. He tries to find <laughs> the answer out without using the, the global brain. He tries That's difficult. To, yeah, it is. And, 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 it's, and it's, you know, I admire that because it's that exact example where you're, you're not dependent on the quick fix. You know, it's, you do your hard, you do, you know, you, you go there if you, you, you just can't do anything else. But I'm really interested in, yeah, technology not becoming a dependency. I mean, the other thing about transhumanism is that they're, they're obsessed with uh, life extension, you know, living forever, uh, you know, immortality. Um, and, you know, not only is it completely absurd, I, I mean, it's, it's also, we, we know we're living in a, in a resource sensitive planet, you know, the resources are finite. And at the moment, we don't have, you know, Elon wants to get us to Mars or whatever. Not, you know, we're destroying this planet. And, uh, you know, it's not necessarily a wise thing for us to be allowed out of the, of the cage to go and destroy other planets. So I'm really, yeah, I'm just, I'm just very much 
thinking that humans need to rise up and to 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 take responsibility and i think that you know what's going on with the covid virus is a big opportunity for us to to grow up because yeah. the promises of the internet did not materialize in fact it went very badly wrong so now that we're all on zoom now that we're finding new ways to connect i was in a meeting just before this one all about the fact is that you know we you know this zoom idea that we've got this sort of everyone everyone on the on the on the page it's like a virtual campfire everyone's at the same distance everyone's like you know it's like normally um you know reserved for the for the romantic gaze when you can look into somebody's eyes and and all of that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. so it's very it's an unusual shift and and it's it's you know it's more like a mycelium operating system you know and i think the one the, big network yeah exactly and yeah. it's decentralized and it's like the mycelium are really interesting. You know, the mushroom has like survived five mass extinctions and we're causing the sixth. So how do we learn from something that's more intelligent than us, that has a bigger consciousness than us, that, that shares its resources when it has too much? You know, what are, what are the things that we can learn from the, from the mycelium and adopt at this critical juncture where we're being, you know, we're being sent to mother nature's sending us to our, to our rooms and to, to think about what we've done. That's Do not think I'm that maybe um, something similar with the neural link though, does that it would connect us together? That's a good question. I mean, I, I think that absolutely it may do that, but also it's a double edged sword, like every other technology and that technology, if your thoughts are no longer your own, I mean, I'll give you another example, which is your, there's this technology which um, your voice box uh, every time you have a thought you're you're actually orating that you're you're there's tiny micro movements in your voice box which you can reverse engineer um, and actually get that thought so there's there's this mad researcher who's looking at um, in dreams being able to reverse engineer what you're saying in your dreams from the micro movements that are occurring in your voice box so even when you're asleep you're still orating so this for is me is passing through your voice box though, or yeah, is this, well, it's, it's these micro movements. There's a, there's a, I can send you a, an application where it's, it's a bit like Neuralink. So it's like, okay. you, don't have, you just think and, and it then just it does. And, yeah. yeah, it just does. So, you know, one of my friends, one of my dear friends, Kim Veltman passed recently and uh, he was always warning me about this, you know, consciousness hacking, you know, it's, it's a double edged sword. You, you know, you, we've got to be super careful because our privacy is being eroded all the time and the technologies that we allow that we that we adopt will dictate the story that's coming and you know the, the it's all about the storytelling it's all about what 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 reality do we want to build and you know we're already giving away so much we, we can see sweeping new laws that the surveillance state is is now gaining massive advantage because of this situation we're in so we just need to be it's all about education yeah. Do you think uh, with the uh, saying about the sweeping new laws and, and everything with the current situation, do you reckon it's going to be, well, I guess it probably will be uh, uh, a temporary measure until after, but then that temporary measure stays in place and, you know, slowly over time, we're just going to, it will be the norm that, you know, we have to do, yeah. have these restrictions or, or can you see, or do you think that um, we will just go back to how it was before? I don't see any, any of it going back to normal. I mean, I know a lot of people that are working in the festivals game and um, they're all saying that, that this is not, and I actually don't think we should go back to normal. You know, I think that the, the whole traveling to Mexico for the weekend, just because you can from, from Europe or whatever is a disaster for the planet. And, you know, all of this superfluous traveling to conferences when the telepresence solutions you know, the internet becoming the ready player one where we're all in a virtual space, you know, again, massive double-edged swords, but, you know, I think that these technologies, you know, VR has been sort of trying to hit the mainstream for so many, so many times. And actually this may be the actual time it does hit the mainstream because this is something like your work you've been working on, right? With the, um, with the holograph, holotech, holoportal. Yeah. We built a holoportal at uh, Ravensbourne where I work um and yeah that that turns matter into light so we're creating holograms for the for the microsoft hololens and for, for any sort of context so you basically walk into this big space this room 
and it's uh, it's it's it captures you know it's got you've got the cameras above and they're capturing four views and then those are stitched together so you whatever you're doing um you, you have that as a as a hologram and skype will go in that direction you know we, yeah. all, we all sit there and we we look at our you know our, our family members are in 2d but we were looking at um with this project called harrison's fund which was uh, looking at um this was my my friends that are called the play labs uh, led by my dear friend james edward marks and uh you know it was a, it was a disabled uh, kid who, who couldn't get out to to go visit his grand granddad so his granddad came as as this light being to him and that sense of presence and that sense of connection was so much vaster and, I, and that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, you know, being able to sit around and look through our holographic eyes and hear through our holographic ears. And now you've got touchable holograms. Really? Yeah. So you could actually, wow. like, you know, give each other a hug and stuff. So I think that I've always been wary of these kinds of technologies as well, because you don't want to encourage remoteness or we've never wanted to encourage remoteness. You know, you can, you can do all this crazy stuff like you can like kiss your partner through your phone and you can you know you can taste your your meal before you get to the to the restaurant electronically you know all of these stuff it's all this stuff's already possible so well, I, I really think it's a case of you know what 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 of these technologies should we be going and 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 funding and encouraging um but for me personally you know i've, I've done far too much traveling i've done far too much uh you know air miles in terms of carbon costs and, and everything else and, and i and i honestly think if we can have that sense of presence because the reason why people go to conferences is because they want that sense of presence right they, they want to feel a connection yeah, yeah. engage yeah it's important yeah. i think really is important for our psychological well-being you I mean you see this like going back again to the situation right now you know people are people are getting quite crazy stir crazy so uh, i think it is important to have uh, actual connection if, if you can if you think the technology will increase to the point where it is pretty much the same i mean like you when you're uh, when you're talking about having a hologram mm. what level of clarity would it be right now so uh, the technology so uh, just thinking off the top of my head star wars is probably if i think of the holograms in star wars when yeah. they show up um yeah. What what kind of clarity would you have at the moment? Um, in yeah, comparison well, to how, that? Many, how many cameras you're using? I mean, ours is quite is quite lo-fi because we, it's free. I mean, people can come in and use it for free. Whereas you've got Dimension Studio down the road in Wimbledon, um, and they've there there's you know there's this very very high res, much higher res than anything yeah. you see on Star Wars, and and it's it's for film and TV and broadcasting and whatever else. So the technology is already there. It's a question of what do you want to do with it really i mean you know if you are, yeah if you are talking i mean again the 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 whole 5g thing rears it head <laughs> again because these technologies are massively going to be enabled by 5g yep. and there's a lot of controversy around it i mean i, I personally i don't believe the hype i mean all this madness about corona corona was caused by 5g is absurd and you know, but there, and we, we do need to make sure that these these things are, are checked thoroughly for their health effects. Um, you know, it's the same with virtual reality. People putting on VR headsets. I'm working on. Oh, hello. Hey, uh, I've lost you there. Oh, I'm back. Oh, there you are. You're back. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Um, so You're yeah, working but, on ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Mark, Mark Farid had the, I mean, he was looking at privacy as well as a, as a, as a debate. So his thing was all around this theme of what's, you know, if I wanted to wear virtual reality for a month and look through somebody else. So he, he's not, not got access to his own eyes or his own hearing. He's literally this is the looking, guy you did that you wore for, I saw in your speech, yes, you wore for a day. Right. That's right. So the, the test run was 10 people in 10 days and he wore like a, a 70 year old lady one day and then me another day and then a, an 18 year old um, for another day. And, and it was just to see how, how it would work out. You know, would he burn his eyes out for instance, if you're, if you're, cause it's the equivalent of staring at a TV for a month, at a fixed distance. So what you actually need to do is cleverly record at multiple depths of view 
so that your eyes don't burn out, for instance. So there's a lot of, it took five years to actually get the technology to the, to the right uh, state. And, um, but his point was all around, you know, this, this idea of privacy. So he did a project called uh, Data Shadow before uh, seeing eye and, and during Data Shadow, he, he basically gave away all of his passwords to all of his social media. So his bank account as well as his, his phone, <laughs> he literally gave it away to all these journalists. And, um, you know, he, I was in the audience and I'd forgotten he was going to do it. But as he, was, as he was passing around this A4 sheet with all his passwords, I logged into his Facebook, got his Facebook. I logged into his Twitter. I got his Twitter. I should have logged into his uh, Hotmail and got that because that was his master account. <laughs> but, um, and then I put my hand up and said, oh, I've got your Facebook, I've got your Twitter. He's furious. He's like, but I know you. That's not, that's not, that was not the plan. But like, <laughs> I didn't know there was a plan, Mark. Yeah, you know? if you give it away, you give it away, right? <laughs> exactly. And it, what was super interesting about it was that he was in the pub afterwards. He's like, oh, can you give me my Facebook data, please? Because I, I forgot to download it. Um, but he also said, use it, you know, use the account, like try and uh, look at my, look at my, look at my account, like look at my messages. And, and actually it was super interesting because it was the closest I've ever got to actually hacking somebody's subjective state. Cause I'm like, I was seeing how he was chatting to his mom, how he was chatting to his friends, how he was chatting to his mates, how he was chatting to his girlfriend, how he was flirting with other girls. And, and it was like, I was, you know, able to be hacking that to a certain yeah. extent you, you don't normally get that that privileged point of view um but he was you know it, it's like what what if a new form of prison and you've seen this in black mirror and i mean one of my friends said to me oh i had a terrible nightmare the other day where i was um i was in vr and i was actually inside a terrorist's point of view i was in this terrorist body and i was witnessing all these atrocities um what was going on because like your brain when you're in a vr space i mean i tried this one called ricky's plank experience recently where you go into a hotel and you go up to the top of the hotel and you elevator opens and you're and you're fully embodied because you're not tethered it's like a headset where you walk around you can easily walk around and you and then you're you're meant to walk onto this plank and you, it literally looks like you're in new york and and then you have to drop off the plank <laughs> and i was like i don't you know, your brain's going don't do it don't yeah. do it because it's full you know your peripheral vision is you know it's, it's being removed so you're, it feels you're real it feels entirely real which is why these technologies are so powerful you know it's a question of you know in terms of the recent when we when we met i was over there working on the the five meo dmt study with yeah. you know, brid and rudy and uh, imperial and all the rest of them and um you know, and, and one of the things I'm really interested in is with, with the psychedelic experience, how can you help with preparation for such an experience? An antigen even more so, it's more, even more important to be prepared for what you're going to go through. And, and how do you integrate? And so, you know, I've been talking to, to Robin Carhart-Harris and Chris Timmerman and, and uh, looking to see how can technology help with such a, such a thing. And one of the big uh, entry requirements for doing a 5-MeO DMT experience is letting go and letting go is not a cognitive thing it's an yeah. embodied feeling thing you have to you have to feel it that you'll mm -hmm. feel like you're letting go but when I tried this this Ricky's Plank experience I was literally letting go and I had to jump off this building every, and I did it loads and loads of times and I was like wow this is a brilliant example of going through that experience of letting go, you know, and then you sort of, you, you fall down with actual gravity and you smash into the ground, you there's a whiteout. And so it's, it's, it's things like that where I'm like, that is a, that is a great example of, of, of utilizing VR for a positive purpose. And, you know, and, and I think with, with the whole Mark thing, it's, it's, you know, what if people are going to want to be in VR for a month and be somebody else? Because that will happen. Of course it will. And, you know, probably famous people will, will, will share their view, you know, and, and there'll be a pay-per-view, you pay-per-view whoever. And, uh, you, know, you, you know, you get their tailored view for the, for the day or whatever they want you to see. But people will want to, just like in Ready Player One, and, you know, people are very restricted in their lives and people don't necessarily want to be who they are. They want to be someone else. I mean, if you've seen the Ready Player One idea, you know, you get to be whoever you want to be, you get to be whatever sex you want to be, whatever age you want to be, whatever body shape you have, 
you know, and, and when you look at something like the hikikomori in Japan, where half a million people have already logged out of society and are already in isolation by choice, you know, having all of their food delivered is mostly young men. Really? Yeah, yeah. That, this, is, this is complete. They're just so they're just living with uh, essentially in a, in a cyber world and just having everything delivered. Yeah, absolutely. And this has been going on for, for decades. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> That's because, you know, Japanese culture is no joke. It's an incredibly tough yeah. uh, sort of world because you are a slave to the office. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing, what's going on right now is even those Japanese men are at home and they're obviously loving it because it's not this you know you it doesn't matter if you're asleep in the office it doesn't matter if you're entirely inefficient because you're completely exhausted as long as you're in the office because it's all about honor it's all about and this is why people choose to not do it they say is it bullshit i'm not going to be part of it it's crazy it's i i went there two years ago and i went out a few times and saw some uh what they call them salary men yeah and i spoke to them you know, at bars where they were after work and, and this idea of you join the company and you're there for life. And this is that the, yeah, you can't even talk to your colleagues in a, mm. in a, you know, a human way. Everything is just one, one, uh, like they've just got this tunnel vision for, for honor for the company and, and it's so much pressure. So then, mm-hmm. yeah, you see them on the trains and every is you think it's bad in the UK or in Europe where people on their phones, you know, on the trains, everyone has like their headsets on and they're playing these video games on the train, on the train the whole time. Yeah. It's, yeah. The, this it's crazy. Really crazy. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the world that's coming if we're not very careful mm-hmm. and we don't make the world a place where people want to be you know, where they want to live because the, life is tough and life is full of, full of, you know, opportunities to escape. And that's why I'm really interested in this idea of double consciousness. And, uh, you know, if we think about a traditional shaman, a shaman is, you know, he's in the astral quite often. If, if you're going in, you know, going to a shaman to be healed, you're actually, you know, it's not you that will take the psychedelic, it's the shaman and the shaman will actually go through your body astrally and actually cure you. It will, it will find the blockages or whatever, but the shaman's also in the real world, right? So he's in two places in parallel. Um, and that's what we're seeing with, with cyberspace, right? You're in a VR headset, you know, you're in the physical world, but you're also very much in this other world, you know, and I, and I, you know, other examples of that, I mean, it's like, you know, dream hacking, you know, the technology, mm-hmm. I mean, I know this, this stuff's still yet to be proven, but um, using transcranial stimulation whilst you're in REM. So when you're in a dreaming state and you apply a small amount of electricity to the left or the right angular gyrus, you can reliably create lucid dream states. So if that you're, crazy. so that again means that you're, 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 you know, you're in, in this world, uh, but you're also able to be conscious in the dream state and if we can reliably create dream states like lucid dream states i mean the average person has one lucid dream if you're lucky in a life yeah there are people that train and train and train and obviously i'm not taking away from any of that ability to train i think that if you can do it and it doesn't take you your whole life to do it um then that's the best way to go but if you can if you can if you can use technology as a catalyst to get you there and to, you know, because there's, there's all this stuff where people are saying that, you know, it's this dream yoga idea that if you, if you practice some martial arts in a dream, it's four times more effective than doing it in reality. Because it's very have- similar on the matrix, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that idea is, yeah, it, obviously it's, it's been put out there. Is there any... Have you seen any proof of this or have you? Well, I know, you I know people, I know lucid dreamers and I know that yeah. they do. I mean, the reason why you could say it's, uh, it's, it's more effective is because you have to apply gravity. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time people would, one of my friends was trying to do Tai Chi in a dream and he said, you know, the first 20 times he would just float off the ground. So, you know, you ha- it's not just you yeah. that you're focusing on. It's the entire context. Because you built the whole context. Yeah, you built, you built the context, which, is, which feeds into my idea around context engineering. So, you know, the, the idea that you're not, that what we're moving into is not a content-based economy anymore where we're just fed information in this feed, which is destroying us and destroying our humanity, but actually focusing on how you change 
the way you perceive reality and that you know there's a myriad of different technologies a lot of them transhumanist a lot of them hyperhumanist where you're able to change the way you perceive and that becomes the new content so it's the context becoming the content and for me that's much more you know because we all want experiences we're not you know this this constant um you know you see it with punch drunk all this immersive theater a lot of it now we want to be in the film we don't just want to watch a film we want to be in it and that's why gaming is taking more revenues than cinema because people want to to be involved they want to see uh, how how they can immerse themselves and yeah and that's that's the whole thing but also you've got things like you know 360 vision you know i tried this helmet for a week where you you know you literally get a new visual system how does that, um, work? that work so it just takes a, a street view camera it's 360 street view camera and you're wearing glasses and what you'd normally see in 180 degrees you're actually seeing 360 so i've worn this for a week and actually you know you can see in 360 within 15 minutes and your brain was like well why didn't you do that before so you, know, you wore this for a week whilst uh, you were doing your, your everyday life. You were going yeah. to work, you know, go right. to the toilet, et cetera. Just people, people were like thruck, uh, chucking uh, balls at me and I would catch them from behind because I would see them coming just and be able to, you know, it takes a while to adjust, but that's what I mean. So the, the, brain itself oh. is, <laughs> the brain itself is a black box and it will take new inputs and uh, it will adjust to those new, to the, to those new sensory inputs. So, you know, what do we want to build? You know, what is it that, that, that is useful for us? What is the, not the technocentric perspective where we just create technologies because we can and then look for a problem to solve? What is actually the human centric perspective? What is it that, that, that we need to solve and rapidly solve? Because, you know, the COVID crisis is, you know, like this, and then the economic crisis is coming, which is much bigger. And then the climate crisis is even you know, bigger yeah. yeah so yeah. so you know let's get ai's working on the climate crisis let's not be doing business as usual let's not you know go back to normal no i i agree i think that uh people are panicking about covid right now and it's very short if i'm not trying to underplay the situation but it's very short-sighted that mm. this is the thing right now so this is the most important thing but they don't realize that yeah the knock-on effect of this um like you said the knock-on effect to uh, when i say the economy i don't mean from a capitalist perspective of oh we're going to lose m money i mean you know the knock-on effect to the economy in the sense of you know possibly millions of people dying of hunger of destitution yeah. um of not being able to afford uh, health care like you know in the, in the 2008 financial crisis i think in america eight uh 500,000 people died of cancer in the two years that should not wouldn't have died of cancer normally um, mm. because they couldn't yeah because of the effect of that uh knocking yeah. on yeah. so i think we have to take into account the bigger picture and, the, and then even the yeah protecting this whole thing of the economy and, or people surviving that is no good if the world's if the world's dead you know like you said if the if the, the climate collapses so we need to really really not just look in into things short-sightedly and and just think what's in front of us we got to step out and i guess they yeah, look at it in a 360 view like yeah than... well i mean this is the thing but we don't want to we don't want to be voyeuristic about other people's suffering i mean people talked no. about vr as an empathy engine and it's not it's really not if you're just plugging into a refugee's plight and you're you're looking at it and you're listening to it you're not invested your context is not invested you're you're not experiencing enough of the context you're just voyeuring and i think that you know how can we how can we change that how can we make sure that you feel mm -hmm. what they're feeling and, and again that that gets us into dangerous territory but there's a brilliant game called uh was referenced this one called blood sport um where where you're you're not just linked up to to, to a visual and uh, auditory signal you're also linked up to uh, a drip so you're so when you get shot in the game and this is a ridiculous use case but when you get shot in the game actual blood is taken from your body what so you're so you're actually like um you know a, a typical gamers scenario but it's sort of last man standing wins because you've fainted from blood loss but then all <laughs> the blood all the blood is donated to the blood bank so <laughs> well you know everyone's a winner the gamers are happy because there's a real investment 
and uh, society benefits. It's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek example, but you get... You might lose a few gamers, maybe. I mean, well, No, because you, you faint before, you can, before anything bad happens, and uh, you know, there are ways around it. But, I mean, that was a Kickstarter that got banned when it got funded. So, oh, <laughs> that's quite interesting, actually. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I'm, I'm, very, I'm, not, I'm also, you know, I mentioned hyperhumanism, but I'm also very much interested in all the non-human life that's on this planet that's being mm-hmm. decimated. So how do, we, how do we plug into these different umvelts? You know, I talked about the mycelium and, and trying to like, you know, what would, what would it be like to, to sense like a mycelium network or to sense like a forest, you know? And that's where I think technology can really help get us into that perspective. I mean, that's already happening more with, um, with, with uh, mammals, right? So we're already having, um, I, I've, I've not looked too much into it, but I've seen some of these dog helmets, which they're developing mm. to, um, you know, so we can actually vocalize dogs thoughts. And eventually they're saying, um, they're thinking that we can connect to basically any mammals at some point and mm. we can feel what they need, what they know, what they're saying. So we mm. can actually get a connection with them. So yeah. I think it's something, it's something that's happening, but Sadly, unless there's financial gain from internet that can be commercialized, then I imagine it's a slow process. Like, I mean, you work, you're a researcher, so I'm guessing you know what it's like when you want to follow a certain topic, but you need to have the funds and Mm. only companies aren't going to invest because, yeah, they can't sell it. Well, I mean, this is it. And I, I think that obviously, yeah, massive use case if people can start to communicate with their, their animals, but they already do. So again, again, it's like we don't want to use technology to replace the analog ability that people already have. And telepathy is real. You know, people do communicate with, with the non, non-human species. And, and I think that's, that's where it becomes the double-edged sword. That's, that's where it becomes the hyperhumanist thing. You know, use it as a catalyst to get you to communicate better with your plants. You know, we can, we can use radionics to listen to plants, for instance. But, you know, and that's why the psychedelics are super interesting because they open up this, this brain of ours, which is, you know, actually not your friend to a certain extent. It's built to keep you alive, but it massively reduces the, the dynamic range of your, your perception. We only experience 1% of the auditory spectrum. We only experience 1% of the visual spectrum. What else is there? that we're not getting to see because of the way our brain has evolved. And, and that's what I'm saying. The brain is a black box. How can we know the limits on the bandwidth? What, what are the, the dangers when we overload the brain? But also it's so it's super interesting when, when they found out, and this is why I love working with Imperial because you know, when, when, when we realize that the brain is a reducing valve, that actually when you, you, know, when you, when you take these psychedelics, brain activity decreases you know it's it's you know it's it's super interesting and and and, and you know we, when we look at things like dmt and this this parallel world that that exists and you know people say it's just your your brain or it's it's just brain activity you know i'm not a materialist i you know i don't believe you know consciousness um, is produced in the brain i think the brain is is the product and, and, and all materiality is produced from consciousness so you know how can we how can we really um access more of the the the, the realities that are out there so you're saying we're plugging into the rest of to the ether essentially and do you who think knows? who knows man i mean <laughs> I, I think that i mean the dmt realms i mean having been part of the the imperial study where i'm in a in an fMRI scanner having having intravenous DMT I mean the most insane things happen because you know I, I see such a vast amount of entities arriving on the scene all of them completely concerned for me um, think you know think what you know expressing their concern to me and, and you know and I'm I'm like trying to calm them down you know, which is not the, the normal scenario but you're, uh, you're lying down, not moving. This is all internal, right, at this point. You're yeah, lying down absolutely. in an fMRI scanner. Yeah. But and, you've got a full dose of... For any, sorry, just so anyone who's listening who doesn't know about uh, um, yeah, DMT, um, and you also mentioned 5-MeO DMT as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, DMT is uh, dimethyltryptamine, 
and 5-MeO DMT is actually, well, they're both uh, very strong psychedelics. Uh, DMT occurs in many, many living things and um, 5-MeO DMT originally was taken from a kind of toad, but we can uh, synthesize it now. So not killing off um, uh, the toads because it was actually causing quite a problem. But these psychedelics um, are very, very powerful tools. DMT in itself is um, really short-lived when you when you take it as, as a drug. It's illegal um, to take. Um, but I'm guessing you ha- having it for this study, you had it intravenously, so they were yeah. able to keep it going, or yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a later study, the DMTX, where they where they're trying to um, extend the, the duration because it's. Uh, you know, it's super interesting. I mean, for instance, I see this language, uh, the core of my vision, and, and what, what I'm seeing is this holographic realm. You know, it's like everything's made of light, much like with the holoport where I'm turning things into, into, into holograms and in matter into light. What I see in, in DMT realm, in NNDMT realm, is everything as holograms, everything as this holographic light. And also I see this, this language, which is persistent in, a, in this sort of circular structure at the core of my vision, I'm seeing this holo- this hieroglyphs, sort of ancient and modern at the same time, and it's there every time I do it. So I want to sit there and actually draw it, you know, if I if this DMTX actually works out. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, when you compare, you know, what we live in normal in normal reality, we we have the sun, and the sun, um, you know, hits objects, and and the light is illuminating things. In 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 NNDMT, um, I'm seeing light objects made of light but when you take 5-MeO DMT you become the light source so it seems to me that there's degradations of light where you're you know you're going from the, the sort of the top of the Christmas tree of, of the, the sun yeah. yeah well no because you you know the 5-MeO you are the, the light oh, yeah you become eternal you become infinite and and you're the source of light and then you know next layer down is the the, the NNDMT where you're seeing light beings everything's made of light and then the next lay down you're in back in reality so i'm very interested in in the differences between these different uh, substances in terms of what happens to light in those different spaces how do you study this like i mean you if you come up with with theories around this or this this you know it's something that interests you um as a as a scientist how do you take that and actually, especially when it comes down to drugs, essentially, which are, you know, a pretty taboo thing. How do you, how do you research this? Well, this is a great question. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, we're seeing, um, you know, the absurdities of, uh, you know, even mushrooms in the UK, are schedule one class A's um, and heroin and cocaine are schedule two class A's. So, something like mushrooms, which has clearly got medical benefits because it's killing depression in, in people. I mean, an interesting study at the moment with Imperial where they're actually looking at um, a comparison study with SSRIs, which you have to take daily and you know, not very effective, 30% effective in uh, people. And most of the time it seems to be that they just regulate sleep and that's why you don't, don't have such a bad, bad problem with depression. But something like an entheogen, a, a, a large dose, uh, you know, entheogen um, or a mushroom experience can, can reveal the truth to you in a, in a one shot deal. And then you don't need to touch anything ever again. So, you know, the absurdities of the legality of this stuff is, <laughs> is madness, but um, yeah, I mean, how do we study that? I mean, it's, it's super interesting question because if you look at what's going on, with these brain imaging studies, they're looking to see what's going on with, you know, what parts of the brain are, are being, uh, you know, having blood flow and uh, how much blood is in specific parts of the brain. Um, so, you know, what, what does that give you actually? And, um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it's only relevant if it's combined with the anecdotal reports that people, you know, that people give you. So, you know, for me, if you're not if you're not actually studying this stuff experientially yourself, you can't know from the from the brain imaging studies from, yeah. from all of that enough. So, you know, that that's my perspective on it. The the problem is is, uh, I guess, getting actual people's opinions changed on um, on the, I guess the use of psychedelics and the the 
potential benefits doesn't really it's hard to do without like clinical trials or clinical studies or mm. um that's what people want to hear uh, you know mm. before they they believe things i guess but i i don't know how it is in the uk now um from from what i've told what i've been told from other other scientists that i've spoken to things have been a lot more difficult since the um nps since the psychoactive substance bill yeah it's made yeah. it really difficult to study um all different um substances and whether that's for therapeutic or um, medicinal effects of them um uh, obviously i'm in the netherlands which uh, actually has some great you know maastricht university yeah utrecht university uh, all are doing various studies on psychedelics and on different um on different compounds how is it in the uk with that yeah, I mean, the psychoactive ban's been absurd, as, as you can imagine. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a real shame. But I think there are, there are people, you know, working on um, getting, you know, at least the mushroom um, rescheduled so that, so that the, that stuff can be, can be used. And, and, you know, we don't, you don't have to spend a fortune trying to get the stuff made in a lab. I mean, mm -hmm. the same with MDMA. I mean, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of work going into to policy change and uh, you know I, I really admire those people trying because these things can really help people with with PTSD with with you know absolutely awful depression and mm -hmm. uh, you know and, and it's cruel if you're if you're not if you're stuck on these pharmaceutical drugs which are known not to work um, you know it, it's it's yeah it's a crying shame yeah um... I just saw the time you uh, we've already run over from what you said is that your uh your your friends are uh, yeah yeah I've got, I've, got, I've got to help my friend do some move some stuff but um absolute pleasure my friend to to catch up absolutely amazing really amazing to talk to you man um like can't wait to can't wait to do this again and hopefully next time yeah. it will be uh when the lockdown is lifted and uh well Hopefully next time we can have some kind of um, yeah. VR headset and we can, you know, really sit next to each other. Let's see what happens, man. But yeah, pleasure to see you and uh, thanks so much for the invite. And no let's, do let's do it again. Let's have a part two sometime. Definitely. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Thanks. That's fun. Take it easy.